40. More stimulating talk. It's the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. Happy New Year. It's 2018. 2018. And probably before the end of the day, I'll get an email from my accountant reminding me that it's a new year and it's time to start getting all my tax information together. Start rounding up my receipts, W-2, 1099s, all that kind of stuff. Start making mental notations about things in which I would plan to itemize in terms of deductions this year and maybe the final time this year in terms of itemized deductions that I would usually take. And it reminds me of a conversation that we as a nation have been having for the better part of, I would say, three months. What is this new tax law going to mean for America? And what does it mean for Americans? Two different answers. What does it mean for America? I would interpret that in terms of whether it explodes the deficit and the debt. That's what it would mean for America. And what it means for Americans, well, it greatly depends on who you ask. It's just that simple. And many times people ask me, what do I think about the law? Well, I'm going to judge it in two ways. I'm going to judge how it impacts me personally. And I think that's fair for you to do. And then I'll take a step back and look at it in maybe two years or so and see how it has impacted America more generally. Because when someone says this is going to put more money in your pocket, I'm smart enough to know, and you should be smart enough to know, uh, that's a loaded statement. Like, for example, I do other things outside of KFI as far as just media production and consulting services. So I have my own business, and there are a lot of things that I do itemize, and they're, they're, I'll say I do work in radio for other people, and they'll send me um, I'll invoice them, and at the end of the year, I'll get a 1099. Basically, demonstrating how much of money I've made from them with no taxes taken out. In the past, that 1099, it was then incumbent upon me to make sure, at least in my mind, I set aside some of that money to pay for taxes. There is no withholding. That's an easier way of saying it. And with this new tax law, the way I would liken it is all of us, starting in maybe late February, if I'm not mistaken, we'll see more money in our take-home pay. Why? There will be less withholding. Yes, you will have more money in your pocket, more money to use. In other words, the government is not taking it from you at that time. The question, though, as to whether it benefits Americans as a whole really can't be answered at that time. It depends on if when you file your taxes that you don't end up owing more before, because in a specific case like me, there will be fewer ways for me to itemize my deductions. The things that I was able to deduct in previous years as a uh, in terms of uh my business expenses, or be it uh, my internet or cell phone use, I may not be able to do or to the same degree for fiscal year 2018. So if it turns out that I have more take-home pay in the short term, but I am unable to itemize those things which I have in the past and then end up owing more 
relative because relative to the withholding, which is then being decreased alongside of me having fewer itemized deductions, I may be worse off than before. Maybe. But did you mention your personal exemption doubles? No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying it, it, it varies from person to person and their specific like, situation. Yeah, like how much you write off every year. Right. Because I'm and, like you. I'm in the same boat. I do other stuff. A lot of it is 1099. Yes. So I have to pay the taxes at the end of the year. Right. So I should probably pay them quarterly, but you know. Yeah, we, we, we should pay them quarterly. But do we? No. And and it's a boat. I think it's a, a, a place that a lot of people, especially in Southern California, are in. A lot of independent contractor kind of work. Right. And and that's why I say I don't know how it's going to pan out ultimately. Yeah, we'll find out in a couple months. Yeah. And, and part of that is because I have an accountant who's doing the taxes, so I'm not as close to them as I was maybe four or five years ago, where I knew exactly how much I was going to be able to itemize in terms of uh, accounting and tax law, how it would figure in. Yes, that deduction, standard deduction, has been doubled. But I also have to take into my mortgage interest. I have to take into account my mortgage interest, how much I could uh, deduct and property taxes, all those things. So when people ask me, what do you think about the law? I don't know yet. I don't know. (laughs) I just don't know. For me personally, I can step back and say, objectively, I am concerned in terms of any times, in any time in which you are reducing the overall income for the government because someone has to pay for this infrastructure that we say needs to be overhauled and it's American citizens. Whenever you decrease the income function for America to do the work of America, then I have to wonder how that work is going to get done, how we're going to be able to balance any sort of budget, how we're able to not explode the national debt even more, if that is actually important. If, if we're going to just throw that out the window, then all bets are off and we just keep moving forward. But I happen to believe that deficit spending and, and, and debt accumulation does impact our status in the world in terms of our multinational agreements and trade agreements. I think that does have some bearing and will affect our standing. And also, I know that a similar bill and law was passed in the state of Kansas. Not exactly the same as the Trump Tax Reform Act but very, very similar in terms of cutting the corporate tax rate and using that as a motivation for higher wages to hire more workers. In Kansas, it has failed tremendously. There's a budget shortfall for 2017 estimated, I believe, some $342 million, give or take a million or two. If Kansas is indicative of what awaits America more generally, then yes, I'm very concerned. For this reason, I have never been of the opinion, and I don't believe that there is any evidence, conclusive evidence, to support the idea that giving tax breaks to corporations, that will be then passed on to ordinary citizens. Because corporations, their first responsibility is not to their workers, it's to their shareholders. It's about revenue projections and earnings and being able to show growth from quarter to quarter to quarter, not increasing their payroll taxes, not increasing their their variable costs of, of labor. 
Although you may have heard stories like AT&T giving $1,000 to employees, but yeah, that was after they also laid off hundreds of employees as well. I'm not sure I can think of a time in which corporations acted in the best interest. I mean, corporate America as a whole, not individual companies, but corporate America as a whole has a very distinguished and distinct history of not caring about you and me. Use Apple, for example, just in recent weeks. Corporations exist for their own self-preservation, not for us. And if I'm wrong, I'll be glad to admit it. If giving corporations a break from 35 to 21% means that more people will be hired and they will be making more money, then more power to us as Americans. But historically, that has never been the case. We can go back to the Reagan administration, and we saw what happened with the Bush tax cuts. For me, this is not about politics. This is about policy and how it impacts us directly. And historically, tax cuts, especially to this extent, have never boded well for the fullness of the economy in the long term. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. And on the other side of this break, I'm going to dovetail to that conversation. Did you know that $84,000 a year household income is considered low income in Orange County? Yes. You might be living below the poverty line if you only make $84,000 as a household. AM 640, more stimulating talk. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. Happy New Year, just in case you're unfamiliar with me. I host the Mo Kelly Show here on KFI Saturdays and Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. At the heart of the whole minimum wage increase debate, and by the way, there are many parts in California which will have like a 50-cent increase starting today. But at the heart of that debate is an area called Orange County. And what I mean by that is those who support the idea of raising not only the federal minimum wage, but also the state minimum wage will point to Orange County as reason why. And people always want to misquote me in terms of what I believe. So let me restate. I believe that we need to raise the federal minimum wage and the state minimum wage. I believe that's necessary. In fact, I think it should be tied to the overall rate of inflation so you don't have to have these congressional or state house debates every two or three years. The reason is you will have to do that or we turn into China because, once again, going back to last segment, I'm not ever going to trust businesses or corporations to act in the best interests of workers. They are diametrically opposed. Their job is to decrease wages or salaries or the costs of labor, the costs of payroll taxes, not increase them. And I'm not saying that as a value judgment. I'm saying their job is to make money, as as much money as possible. But then you have the real-life applications of such decision-making. Orange County has the fifth highest income threshold in the country. And if you've ever driven through Orange County, not all of it is just beautiful on the water. There are some parts of Orange County which are just, I would say, regular in nature. 
but it has the fifth highest income threshold in the country. According to the U.S. Department of Housing and Development, a family of four with an annual income of $84,000 or less now qualifies as low income. $84,000. And I'm not saying that that is an exorbitant amount of money. I'm not saying that that is someone who is in upper class. I'm saying that should give you some perspective on how difficult it would be to live anywhere within the confines of Orange County, which is not necessarily an exclusive community top to bottom. In the OC, and this goes back to the whole minimum wage debate, in the OC, rents have increased 20% over the past seven years. What do you think that is for minimum wage? Probably not 20%. The median sale price of a house has jumped 40% in seven years. And let's just say I'm, I'm going to pick on Santa Ana or some. I'm, I'm just trying to pick on some community which is not uh, very affluent in, in Orange County. Let's say you're coming up in that area. How are you supposed to be able to get a job? Let's say you're just a young person who was either in college, recently out of college. How are you supposed to be able to sustain yourself on any level? That's the argument that they would make. And, and there's an argument to be had there as far as just be able to get started. You are, you've graduated high school. Maybe you've even graduated college. You're not going to come out making 84 grand a year. You're lucky if you come out making 40 grand. And let's say you get married and your spouse makes 40 grand. So together you have 80 grand. In 2018, you would be hard pressed to be able to stay in Orange County. You would be hard pressed to be able to thrive anywhere in Orange County. And so as as California continues to explode and boom in terms of of rents and also housing prices. Once again, I personally believe we're in another housing bubble, but no one wants to listen to me on, on that. But as these prices still go up, it makes it more and more impossible for people who are just entering the market, labor and also housing, to actually stay in it. So if anything, that would be the argument, at least for the need to raise the minimum wage. I agree with the need to raise it. I do not, and let me be clear once again, I do not agree with raising it to $15 an hour. Maybe I'm compartmentalizing, but yes, I agree. It should be raised, but not to that degree because raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour means that everyone who is presently under $15 an hour who are not in minimum wage positions would have to be raised as well. And there's a domino effect. So to guard against that, it should be raised but not to $15 an hour right now. And yes, in California, it will eventually get to $15 an hour because of legislation signed in the law last year, but it won't get there until 2022 or 2023. And by the time it does get to $15 an hour, what do you think the cost of living will be in Orange County then? I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. KFI, AM640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. 
It's the Gary and Shannon Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. And people are weighing in on Twitter. People are hitting me at Mr. Mo Kelly, at Mr. Mo Kelly, M-R-M-O-K-E-L-L-Y. Bill O'Califf. It's Bill's O'Califf. He has a picture of a Tesla. I guess he's very proud of his car or something. Says, at Mr. Mo Kelly, no. You have no clue about new tax policies. In fact, you confirm you don't at the same time you come up with a horrible outcome. You know nothing about business or world trade or you would understand. Get educated or ask me about business tax benefits. I think it was all one sentence. Or I could just ignore you altogether, Bill. But thanks for your tweet. (laughs) Anyhow, hit me at Mr. Mo Kelly, M-R-M-O-K-E-L-L-Y. I was wondering, people usually have New Year's resolutions, but beyond that, I wonder what people look forward to in the new year. What are they eagerly anticipating? For some people, it might be movies, because we know when they come out. It might be a specific event. It might be an impending graduation or something. And I wonder from year to year, what do people look forward to? Me personally, I embrace wholeheartedly the unknown. I have no idea what this year is going to hold for me personally, professionally. I have no idea what this year holds for the country politically. And I like that. I actually enjoy that. I enjoy waking up in the morning with the exception of bad news or tragedy, of course. I enjoy waking up in the morning and and reaching for my phone and seeing what the first news alert of the day is. I look at politics like some people look at, I'll say, the Real Housewives of Orange County or Beverly Hills. It Life is a, is a reality show, pun intended, which I really do enjoy. So for 2018, for me, it's a blank slate. There were some really unfortunate moments in 2017, probably for all of us. But if you're like me, 2018 is like, yes, there are no blemishes. There are no blotches, nothing. Just good times ahead. And I found this article on la.curbed.com. Some things that we can look forward to in just in terms of the city of Los Angeles. Some I agree with, some I don't agree with. But if you're a soccer fan and or if you've been driving down the 110 freeway, North to South lately, you might have seen they, they're building this semi-small stadium in the, I'll say, the Exposition Park area, kind of next to USC and the Coliseum, where the, the sports arena used to be, if I'm not mistaken. And I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but it was coming up. It, they were erecting it pretty fast, and it's going to be the home of the new Los Angeles football club. And it seems pretty damn cool. If you've ever been like the StubHub Center and seen the LA Galaxy, it's a very intimate setting. And I assume this will be just like it. And even though I'm not going to allege that I'm the biggest soccer fan around, I do love the World Cup. And it really does piss me off that we're not going to be in it this time around. But I enjoy watching that. I was that guy who would get up at 3 in the morning to watch the men's national team. And actually the women's national team as well. Because the women's team was much better than the men's on the world stage. But this is a place which I probably would go check out. The Los Angeles Football Club Stadium. I guess it's going to be the Gensler Design Bank of California Stadium. They're calling it. And, and it's also, that's a part of one of the major changes for Exposition Park. Because we do have the Olympics coming in 
I don't know, 10 years. The Natural History Museum is going to get a makeover. They're going to find a place, a long-term home for the Space Shuttle Endeavor. And also they're breaking ground this year on the George Lucas Museum of Narrative Art. And I will be there for that. I will be there for that. And I do appreciate how that whole exposition park has grown over the past 10 years. Yes, the Rams are playing there, but that really has nothing to do with all the things like the uh, the Science Center and all the things which are going on there, which are good for, for kids and adults as well. Have you been recently or in the past couple of years? In the past couple of years, yeah. We When my mom visited last time, we went down there. Oh, because the Dead Sea Scrolls were there. Right, right. And um, and then we went and saw the shuttle. Have you gone to see the shuttle yes, yet? Yes, I have. That is the most fantastic thing. If you haven't gone, you, it's you, so You can't appreciate cool. it until you're standing under it. No, you walk <laughs> up and you're standing under the space shuttle. And then they, the docents that they have there, we talked to a guy who worked up at um, uh, up at the- um, What, JPL? Houston? Um, is that where- the, Cape where, Canaveral? No, up in the up in Lancaster. Where was it built? I don't know where it was built. Oh, well anyway, he he was one of the guys who worked on it and stuff. So he just you said, "Hey, tell me a little bit about the shuttle." And then he just talks about the shuttle. It was just fabulous like his knowledge of it and stuff and it's just it's so impressive. So impressive. If you get a chance, go down to Exposition Park. There are a lot of good things, cool things, free things as a matter of fact, inexpensive things for you to enjoy. And that's something I'll probably do in 2018. I don't know about you, Amy King, but I have a very long commute. No, you're like right down the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But many times uh, I'll go through periods in which I fall in love and fall in hate with our mass transit system. I would take the blue line, um, which is a part of the metro system, but it's a, it's above ground train. It's not a subway. And I'll take it from the Long Beach area all the way up to downtown. Let me just say, you have to have a lot of intestinal fortitude to put up with a lot of stuff that goes on on that train. Why is that? I think they need better train police. Oh, that's the answer. If only because there are periods in which they are very hard in terms of enforcement, strict enforcement as far as having um, an actual pass and having um, it being swiped and so forth. And then you'll go for weeks where you won't see anyone. And then you have... The kids, depending on the time of year, if especially if it's the summer, they don't have anywhere to go. This is their mode of transportation up and down that corridor. And then you have homeless people and it just gets really out of hand and it gets to be an undesirable experience. And even though I get a lot of work done or could get a lot of work done, I'm too worried about the stuff that's going on around me, mm-hmm. like crossing the street and not looking at your phone. I have to be on the on the subway, on the on the, the metro. You have to keep your wits about you. A fight could break out at any moment. Um, I'm not one who's going to support the people who are selling water or performing on the subway. I'm, I I just don't do that because I don't want to encourage. It. Yeah, I'm not going to encourage it on any level. But to that point, supposedly as a part of a bigger program to improve the blue line and signal priorita- prioritization in downtown Long Beach, they are going to guarantee smoother commutes for riders. I don't know how they're going to do that. But they say at least it will be quicker in nature, shaving about 10 minutes off the trip from Long Beach to downtown L.A. by the middle of 2018. And Metro. Oh, hey, didn't they just say that about that commuter lineup in Washington? They've said a lot of things about 10 minutes. Yeah. That's what it was supposed to shave. Yeah. Supposed to be. But yeah, 
Hope springs eternal. I don't know if they'll be able to get me back. I need the actual experience to be better than just to, I'll take 10 minutes longer on the ride if you can guarantee I don't have to put up with some of that other stuff. Absolutely. You know, when we this when we were kids, we would never do this today, but in the Bay Area, you know, they have the BART system there. Mm-hmm. My mom would drop us off and we would go ride the train for the day. Cuz it was fun and it was clean it was and it was safe. <laughs> and it was safe. Yeah, like kids. We were like 10. I was a kid who grew up in a sense of, I didn't have a car. So my parents said, well, you know how to read a bus line. And this is pre-internet. So you had to go find the actual bus line schedule, mm-hmm. get your, I don't know, dollar, 85 cents, whatever it was back then. And we'd ride from the house to the mall, to the then from the mall to the beach, beach back to the mall and mall back home. That was our, our transportation. I'm not so sure I would allow a 12-year-old kid to do that now. No way. Maybe in New York. DC, yes. DC, DC has a great public th- transit. Theirs is just fantastic. It's always clean. And for a number of reasons, because you have diplomats and con- congressional aides, Congress people, and so and forth. They have police policing it. Every single ride, you will see them. Every single train. Mm-hmm. They just don't do that here in LA, but they do it in Washington, DC. And you walk in, it's like, wow, this is how a subway is supposed to be run. 